Welcome to the latest episode of the In Conversation with eClinical Medicine podcast. I'm Derek Anaim, Senior Editor at eClinical Medicine. Uh, each month we'll be interviewing the author of a paper published in our journal, giving them an opportunity to provide a deeper discussion of their research. I'm here today with Dr. Mariko Hosozawa to talk about bullying victimization adolescence from a global perspective and how her recent work on the topic helps us to better understand this complex issue. Dr. Hosozawa is currently based at the National Center for Global Health and Medicine in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, Dr. Osazawa is a paediatrician specialising in child development and psychiatry, and her research interests aim to increase understanding modifiable risk factors and protective factors during childhood for non-communicable diseases, including mental health conditions in Japan and globally. Dr. Osazawa, thank you for joining us, uh, me, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you. So to begin with, uh, our listeners might be interested to hear a little bit more about your career and how you came to be active in this field. Are there any inspirations in particular that led you down this path? So thank you, Derek. So uh, as you introduced, uh, I have a background as a pediatrician specializing in child psychiatry in Japan. And my clinical experience has brought me to think that children's mental illness is not simply a characteristic of the child, and that is partly a reflection of the environment as represented in the idea of social determinants of health. So I thought if we understood more about how to offer children an adequate environment, including preventing adverse experiences such as bullying victimization, we may be able to prevent children's mental illness. So I started to do research in this area, and eventually I had the chance to do my research in the UK using the birth cohorts. But then I came to wonder, can the results of my research based on children in the UK be applied to children in other countries with different cultural contexts, for example, uh, for children in Japan? So uh, when I met my wonderful co-authors for this paper, who were also interested in cross-national comparison on this topic, uh, we decided to do this research. So your recent publication has focused on bullying victimization in adolescents. What forms does this victimization take and why is understanding bullying victimization important on a global scale? So yes, our paper was on bullying victimization among adolescents across 71 high and middle income countries. And so bullying victimization can take various forms such as our physical, verbal and relational victimization. And importantly, Different forms of victimization have different implications for mental health and effectiveness of anti-bullying interventions may be different across subtypes. So we need to understand the victimization not only as an overall victimization, but by subtypes as well. Uh, however, previous population-based or cross-country studies mostly focused on overall victimization. And given that, understanding victimization by subtypes across countries was one of the main focus of our paper. And in terms of why we need to understand victimization on a global scale, there are several reasons. First, uh, we know from past research that bullying victimization among adolescents, uh, which has a long lasting negative impact on children's health and social outcomes, is widespread around the globe and has high prevalence rates, ranging from uh, 10 to 30%, uh, depending on the study. So its prevention is a global issue. Second, uh, we also know from past cross-national studies that the prevalence of victimization varies uh, largely across countries. This could be a result of uh, effective anti-bullying interventions in that country, or a result of the difference in the level of risk factors across countries. 
or could be rooted in different social norms and practices regarding victimization in that country, or uh, just a result of uh, methodological issues. Whatever the reason is, cross-country studies at a global scale that includes countries from different cultural backgrounds and different income levels allows us to explore the reason for the possible cross-country differences in the prevalence of victimization and differences and similarities in the role of predictors of victimization. This evidence will improve our understanding of the nature of this phenomenon and for strategies to uh, mitigate it. And uh, relatedly, most of the previous research on this topic comes from countries in Europe and North America, but on a global scale, many adolescents live outside of these regions. So we need to understand how it operates in other places as well. So those are the reasons why we need to explore and understand uh, victimization on a global scale. Fantastic. And so, so what are the key messages on global disparities in bullying victimization uncovered in your most recent research? Yes, so in our study across 71 high middle income countries uh, from five WHO regions, we found that around one third of the 15 years experience frequent, that is more than monthly victimization. Relational and verbal victimization was more frequent than physical victimization. But um, I emphasize that the overall prevalence or the predominant subtype differed by country. For example, the overall prevalence ranged from 9% in the Republic of Korea to 65% uh, in the Philippines. And regarding the predictors and inequalities around it, on average, boys, uh, those from the lowest socioeconomic position and with lowest academic performance were the uh, most likely to be victimized. However, the magnitude of the association also differs substantially by country too. Inequality by socioeconomic position was smaller compared to those based on gender academic performance. Interestingly, uh, there was no socioeconomic gradient in some Asian and European A countries. So uh, in a paper, uh, we discussed possible reasons for this high heterogeneity observed across countries. And um, in summary, uh, our results suggest that Victimization is a highly context-dependent phenomenon and that advancing our understanding of the heterogeneity observed should be beneficial in identifying successful strategies to reduce victimization. Meanwhile, uh, preventive interventions should consider the country-specific factors such as uh, the predominant subtypes and the risk factors as observed in each country. Fantastic. And so moving, moving to a sort of more um, recent event, the COVID-19 pandemic has had a huge impact across the healthcare landscape. What impact has this had on access to appropriate interventions for adolescents dealing with bullying victimisation? So yes, as you say, uh, the pandemic has impacted children's access to uh, healthcare, including access to uh, interventions for bullying victimizations as well. Speaking of the impact of COVID-19 on victimization interventions, the predominant subtypes of bullying may change because of the reduction in in-person engagement, and we may need to take that into account. Specifically, we may need to think more about cyber victimization when implementing preventive interventions, because the way children interact is changing. Uh, they're engaging more online instead of in-person, and uh, this change existed from before the pandemic, but has accelerated as a result of the pandemic. 
Uh, for example, in Japan, uh, recently, the Ministry of Education reported that for the year of 2020, the overall reported number of victimization at school settings decreased. However, the number of cyber victimization has increased, particularly among primary school uh, children who may have less uh, knowledge on online literacy. So we need to take that into account. But that said, I'd like to say that uh, predictors of cyber victimization is reported to be similar to those for traditional victimization and that anti-bullying interventions for traditional victimization seem to work for cyber uh, victimizations as well. So the evidence for uh, traditional victimization should be informative when thinking of cyber victimization as well. So, I mean, what approaches are you taking or would you like to see initiated globally or at national levels to address disparities in bullying victimization? Yes, so our result highlights that victimization is highly context dependent. So in order to change that context at the population level, I think offering school-based anti-bullying interventions is important. A recent meta-analysis supported that uh, school anti-bullying interventions are effective. So we need to work with educational professionals to ensure that these programs are possibly modified to meet the country's culture and needs as observed in a study, uh, integrated into educational settings at the global level. At the same time, um, identifying and offering additional targeted support for the high-risk group is also important to reduce inequalities around victimization. And this lies with the idea of proportionate universalism. And finally, bullying victimization is not just a problem for children. Victimization that stems from the imbalance of power exists in uh, the adult society as well. And children may be just imitating what they have seen or experienced and internalizing the norms in the adult community. So I think ideally, anti-victimization interventions should be targeted to the whole community, not just the children. It's a very, uh, very important idea, I think. Um, so just to finish up, I mean, what do we still need to learn about reducing bullying victimization in adolescents? Yes, there's a lot that we still need to learn. So although our study highlighted that substantial heterogeneity across countries, uh, we still do not have a clear answer to what drives these differences, which needs to be addressed in the future. And also, uh, victimization is strongly associated with mental health problems, including depression and suicidal behaviors. But we do not know if this association differs by country, and we need to understand that too. And in our paper, uh, we address the role of gender, uh, socioeconomic position, and academic performance, which are uh, known major risk factors for victimization. But there are other important risk factors, such as uh, race and ethnicity, disability, or gender identity, uh, which requires future research as well. Fantastic. So uh, thank you again, Dr. Hasazawa, and um, thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With, eClinical Medicine, wherever you usually get your podcasts.